0: Hi Samantha, how are you? Doing well, how are you? I'm good. How has this year been going so far for you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, it it
1: hasn't been quite so bad for me as it has been for many people. Um, I do not love uh, that I can't do all the events that i wanted to do for golden fury i'm a big party person so honestly the idea of having a launch party was like almost as exciting as just the idea of having a book published <laughs> yeah. so so that one's been a real hit um but overall you know the, there are worse things it's been a good opportunity to learn how to bake sourdough
0: and <laughs> <this> piano again
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: I, I definitely feel that. I mean, cause like launch party is such um, a big thing as like part of the experience in releasing a book. So I guess that's yeah. kind of sad, yeah. I have a dress and everything. I'll just wear, <laughs> it, for my, wear it for my virtual event, I guess. <laughs> or when like everything's kind of a bit more settled you can just have a second one and be like, this is me now, the book is officially out cause I can see it in a bookstore and all of that. Right, right, definitely. Yeah, and can you tell us a little bit about a Golden Fury?
1: Yeah. So Golden Fury, it's my debut novel. It's a young adult historical fantasy. It's set on the eve of the French Revolution about a teenage alchemist who is on the brink of a discovery that could change the world. But the cost may be her own mind.
0: Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so what inspired you to write this novel? Uh,
1: so I, I really like history, um, and I'm also interested in philosophy and history of science, history of theology. And when you read about those things, alchemy keeps coming up. Um, and it's always just this very sort of intriguing little side note in a lot of different important figures' lives that yeah, they also were into alchemy, but yeah, you know, unfortunately, alchemy just didn't work. Um, but it was it, it's as a, if you like, those things and you also like fantasy it's really beguiling because it's philosophy, theology, science and magic so uh, if it were true it would if it if it did work the way the universe was constructed that would be a pretty cool magic system is basically what I thought and um, so it it made a it did indeed I think make a pretty cool magic system
0: yeah and you mentioned that you like history so the book is um at the fr- the time of the french revolution is that like a part of history that you really enjoy
1: i do really like that part of history um i like i think every everybody does big changes you know um times when sort of undercurrents that have been flowing for a long time come up to the surface and so of course for the french revolution uh, inequality uh, flares up in this really um, violent, convulsive way, and that's something that's a consistent theme throughout history, sort of inequality flaring up. Um, I'm really interested in Rome, too, and that was a definitely um, a founding theme for the Roman Republic. And so what kind of worked what worked in a really cool way about alchemy and the French Revolution is that um, they're both uh, promising, um, promising huge, almost impossible-seeming changes, and um, they do sort of both seem a little too good to be true in the end.
0: Yeah, and yeah. um your hopes to be an alchemist was that something that you wanted to be when you were younger or did you want to be something like much cooler or something
1: <laughs> no I want to do something much less cool um I wanted to be an academic um which is I don't know like no offense to all my academic friends but like one of the least cool things you can be actually <laughs> and um I wanted specifically I wanted to study theology or philosophy I wasn't really sure which um but it turns out that um, I'm really poorly suited to be an academic because when you're an academic you you have to spend uh, all this time by yourself um, reading articles and I when I was in grad school I loved the parts where we were in class together talking but that's um, that was like twice a week (laughs) mostly you're just in the library of course now I'm a writer and that also is a whole lot of time by yourself especially in quarantine but Uh, At least you get to hang out with your characters.
0: Yeah, that's that's very. (laughs) I yeah, I think so. When I took English, I wasn't a hundred percent. I didn't know that it was only like eight hours a week that I'd be in like actual contact with people. Right. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like, oh my God, I need to find like a group of friends that I can like FaceTime or Zoom or something that we can all like hang out because otherwise I'm just gonna spend so much time on my own. Oh yeah. And it's, of course, it's even more acute now, now that classes are, are uh, not in real life. Exactly. yeah Um, yeah, and the other thing that I wanted to talk about was the fact that um so Thea and her mother are trying to create like a legendary philosopher's stone um and you mentioned that it's it kind of like makes people lose their sanity why did you choose that as um the curse on the stone rather than something like I don't know death
1: you know that's interesting I think it it was probably a subconscious choice more than um a really conscious one I I I um of course it's a, it's a sort of a horror trope and people have um, pointed out that that a golden fairy has um, some horror influences. Um, but I think for me, um, as scary as death is, uh, losing your grip on your sanity is, to me, um, even more scary. So mm-hmm. that um, it just seemed like the scariest element I could introduce (laughs) in the the story. And I have had experiences where I felt like that, you know, without getting too personal where where I felt like some little tiny bit of, of what that might feel like. And um, yeah, it's terrifying.
0: I think that is like, I feel like losing your sanity or like losing parts of your mind. Like, have you, like, if you, it's like, I don't know if you've ever experienced somebody who has, and then you're like, well, it, it is that, per- like, I know that person, like, if it's your mom, like, I know my mom, but it's not my mom if they're losing their mind, do you know what right. I'm saying? Whereas if they're, if they die, they're dead, do you know, that is it. But like, yeah. looking at somebody who's lost their mind, it's not really the same person, it's a completely different person. So yeah, I, I guess in that sense, you're right.
1: Yeah, and and I think that probably also, it's interesting, I haven't thought about this before, actually, but my um, grandmother, who I was very close to, who was just a really vibrant, um, fun person who inspired me a lot, um, she had Alzheimer's, and at the end of her life, I spent um, a fair amount of time, maybe like six months, living with her and taking care of her,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, and so that was really... Um, that definitely impacted my fears about <laughs> what is the worst
0: thing that can happen to you. Yeah. I feel like if that was someone close to me is, it is quite a hard experience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess that, yeah, I don't want to lose my sanity. <laughs> no, no. I'm sure there are moments
1: of, you know, redemption. And, um, but to me, it, it was just a it was, a, it was just a really hard thing to watch. And I think also from not just losing your own sanity, but, um, Thea, I don't think this is a spoiler because it happens right in the beginning of the book. Um, but there, if there's someone in your life who turns on you um, the way that um, hap- that Thea experiences, um, that's terrifying too. Even if it if if you experience it and it isn't because some supernatural element is at play, <laughs> mm-hmm. then maybe that's worse. But that uh, that feeling of being turned on, uh, I do think um, that that permeates the book too
0: yeah and the other thing that um Thea has to go and do is she has to go and meet a father that she's never met um mm. I mean that experience must be hard for like anybody but what made you kind of include that in the story rather than like a long-lost like grandmother or her just like running away was is it did you want to add like a family element to it
1: yeah I am really interested in um Alienation and families. I, f- I feel like a lot of the stories that I connect with the most have something of that in them, um, and so uh, that's that's definitely there are a number of threads of that throughout the story. So I think it felt like this was layering again another another um, thread of that same same theme. Um, and for Thea as a character, it reinforces this feeling that she has of being alone in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what advice would you actually give to Thea? Oh, that actually ties right into what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because Thea, she she, not to spoil anything, but some of the decisions that she makes that um, that are the hardest to that that are the most damaging to her maybe come from the fact that she does feel really alone and so the advice that i would give to thea um i would tell her that she won't always be this alone that she's mm. going to have more connections in her life um she's going to have more friends and just more people who matter to her and that she um can't see that because she's had so few because she's been very, very sheltered and the, the people she has known have mostly been not great to her. So she clings to the few people who are kind to her. But um, I would tell her that she doesn't have to cling quite so hard because the world isn't actually as lonely a place as she thinks it is. But yeah. um, but she wouldn't listen to me. <laughs> so it, it wouldn't
0: actually do any good. <laughs> And if you were Thea, what would you do? Run or create the stone?
1: That's such a tough question because I um, am kind of uh, motivated by fear, right? So, <laughs> what is what's what's threatened to Thea um, is some of the scariest stuff, as I've said possible, but I'm also very ambitious, like Thea is, mm-hmm. and I would say that I am also easily seduced, <laughs> so hard to say which um, which of my bad qualities would win <laughs> in this circumstance. Um, I think I would probably go for it, though. I think I would probably try to create the stone.
0: I, I don't I think I'm not easily influenced I feel like I would but then I'm I feel, I'm really lazy I just wouldn't run I'd be like oh my god it's so much effort
1: <laughs> so you just walk away yeah, right. rather than run away yeah I'd be like you guys
0: can come after me it's fine don't worry about it <laughs> I'm just not
1: gonna make the stone for you yeah
0: but... <laughs> no. I'm like you can try and make me but again it's just too much effort <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe they would just give up because it was hard. This is like me trying to get my kids to do chores. It's like at a certain point, it's not worth (laughs) the effort that I'm putting in. Just if they're being that lazy.
0: Yeah, I feel like my mom feels the same way about me, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the book is set in Oxford and London. Um, Are these places that are significant to you or have significant memories?
1: You know, they are. um, They're significant to me. I think... I have been to both London and Oxford. I I spent a fair fair part of a summer there, but um, they are more significant to me than my brief stay um, warrants, because I think just because of books. It's the same reason that New York feels to me like this place that I know, even though I've only been there, I don't know, like five times. Places that are constantly being featured in books, especially in the books that I read in childhood, just feel more real to me than the places that I've lived my whole life. Um, So to me, it it feels much more natural to set a book in Oxford (laughs) than to set a book in Denver. Like I've I've actually never even considered, that's where I live now, I've never even considered setting a book in Denver, which I probably should. (laughs) Um, although our history doesn't go that far back so that that makes it a little harder for historical fantasy
0: but i do feel like oxford and london are both like like you said they're like booky places they just have that kind of feeling or like or that kind of like renowned atmosphere i don't know and even
1: in um I don't know if you've read Brideshead Revisited, but in that book and in some of the books that feature Oxford in particular, they themselves are already nostalgic about it. So it's not just that I feel nostalgic for these places because I read about them as a child, but it's because I got the secondhand nostalgia from the writers of these books who are thinking back to their um, youth at Oxford. Um, Yeah, so they feel very imbued with
0: significance and and magic to me and um what would you like people to get from a golden fury i want them to get enjoyment from it um first and foremost
1: that's why i read i read to enjoy myself for pleasure occasionally i will force myself to read a book because i think it's good for me in some way but um i don't that's not why i want no one, no one's going to read a golden of fury for that reason. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I hope that they get, I hope that they get fun out of it. Um, but also, uh, I wrote Thea out of some sort of vulnerable places in myself. Mm-hmm. And what I hope is that I know a lot of people will find her annoying. Um, because you know, amazingly enough. Some people do, in fact, find me annoying. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I don't get it, but I have experienced it enough to know that it's true. Um, but I think that she, she Thea makes some mistakes. Um, but Thea's a teenager, and I, I would like people to, hopefully, not, not everybody, but I would like the readers this book captures to relate to Thea and to maybe identify with some things about Thea Mm -hmm. and to extend some grace to Thea as she makes mistakes, and maybe to also then be willing to extend that same grace to themselves.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) I think that is,
1: yeah, thanks. I think that's one of the things that's good about fiction, um, and one of the things that I like most in authors is when they look at their characters um, with with grace with maybe maybe with love a lot of times you can tell when 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 authors really love their characters but but more than that like maybe with some mercy <laughs> you know um, yeah. and there's a big difference between writers who look at their characters with with grace and characters who are who look at their characters without it you know who are sort of, just above their characters to the point that they don't um they don't see themselves as being potentially able to make the same mistakes that their characters made being the same kind of person
0: yeah and do you write um characters or plot first or is it just kind of like a merging of the two I honestly wish
1: I knew. Um, there's this sort of like uh, chaotic phase at the beginning of an idea, and I've I've written enough book manuscripts now that I've um, there are some common things. Um, I usually have some kind of premise and some kind of main character who come to me. I would say plot, it in. in is after character yeah plot is after character but setting i'll, I'll start with like the bones of the setting
0: mm. and then
1: we'll definitely we'll need to flesh it out and do a lot more research as i go was that the question i kind of forget what the question was now
0: no it was what do you write first characters or plot okay or good shows? good, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah so character um character comes first so that to me is the the most fun part to think about is um
0: is character yeah and um what inspired you to pursue writing like how has that journey been as well
1: I think that uh, like a lot of writers I started writing just because reading was such a pleasure for me Mm -hmm. um and such an escape and you initially I think maybe for a lot of fantasy writers, you start with this desire to lose yourself in a world again that you experienced in a book, and maybe it feels like if you're writing a book, then you can lose yourself even more in that world because you're making the world, and you can just sort of live there in your head. And that's, um, that's, that's how it felt to me when I first started writing garbage Lord of the Rings ripoffs as a teenager. <laughs> Um, but I think I also had this idea that writing isn't really a thing that you could do as a job Um, and also that it's uh, I was never I was always comparing my writing to the people I was reading and I just wasn't as good as them. And I've never wanted to do things unless I was going to be really, really good at them, um, which sometimes leads to impatience with the beginning stages of something where you're always going to be bad at it. <laughs> yeah. Just always, always. <laughs> um, but I had a friend who I started writing a book just sort of after my first baby was born, just because I needed something that was, you know, uh, a pursuit that wasn't. Um, baby related, but really just as a a fun thing to do and I had a friend at that time, similar stage of life, um, who was doing the same thing and she sold her book. Um, This friend is Catherine Egan, she wrote the Julia Vanishes, um, the Witch's Child series, came out um, a few years ago. And she sold her book, and that made me think, "Oh, <laughs> that's something people can do." Um, so at that point, I got more serious about it. Um, not 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 more serious about writing because I feel like I was I was pretty serious about writing at that point, but more serious about uh, publication. So that's sort of a two-fold answer. the thing that inspired me to write, and then the thing that inspired me to really pursue publication, which are definitely different things. There are a lot of writers out there who, who
0: just write, which is awesome, just write because they love it. Um, If I'm not mistaken, you also teach Latin?
1: Yes, um, I actually am um, currently not teaching Latin. Last year was my last year at my current institution. I'm hoping to make a go of this whole full-time writer thing, Uh, but
0: I did teach Latin for many years, yes. Um, did you so? I studied Latin at what um, was it secondary school age so when I was a teenager, oh, early awesome. teens. And for me personally, like that experience was it was hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Hard. It's kind of hard. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of like allowed me to have a better understanding of the way that we talk, the words that we use, how language has yeah. developed over time has that have you seen like that influence your writing in any way i don't know if you've had the same experience it's an interesting i'm
1: sure it does so my knowledge of grammar and of how language works really does come from from latin i never um like formally even learned grammar i had a pretty patchy um homeschooling upbringing, <laughs> but I, d- I did learn Latin, and so when you learn Latin, you learn about um, the, st- it really forces you to learn about the structure of language and grammar uh, because it is dissimilar from English, so that you have to actually understand it and not just mimic language patterns that, you know, we, we, we acquired the natural way. Yeah. Um, so I do think that Latin grammar is how I understand grammar. Um, I also, think that latin literature helped me to access history in a different way yeah. um, that sense of reading words that were written a couple thousand years ago um, that still feel real and immediate that's what that um it's a little bit it's a slightly different experience when you're reading literature than when you're reading history because it does feel more immediate it's it's got that immediate connection to the author's mind it's just the oldness of it i just love the oldness of it. <laughs> i really i love old things um so i do think that that connects to what i write because i i write i tend to write more historical or like historically influenced um
0: fantasy um what you said about the literature that was my favorite part of the exam like um I studied the Aeneid Virgil Mm -hmm. I loved that that last year I loved loved, like Dido's story because she is an absolute head case but that is the best that's for
1: sure the best part
0: (laughs) I love that and it's like Tacitus I mean it's been so long I should probably like reread them Um, but I love, that was my favorite part of the exam. I never passed, but.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a hard exam though, right? I've heard it's real. I mean, the AP is very hard here in the U.S. I don't know how similar that is to the test that you take.
0: Oh, my one was like, oh, my teacher's like, no one ever fails Latin. I was like, well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> no one, okay,
1: well, no, that's, <laughs> that doesn't seem true. Uh, I definitely failed a couple students.
0: <laughs> um,
1: not that I'm ever happy to do that. That's, that's my failure as a teacher. But yeah, <laughs> Latin is wonderful. And in fact, I even managed to get a Latin, I didn't manage this. My team was happy to do it, but there's a um, Latin, uh phrase on the book stamp of my book on the inside um so that feels feels very on brand for me i think
0: that's so lovely i'm gonna have to look out for that when i see it it's the
1: book is can i just say like it's just an object of art they have done
0: (laughs) such a beautiful job on it it's so pretty uh and if you had to make a soundtrack for your book, what would be on there? You know, I had a soundtrack for my book, but I drafted it
1: so long ago. Uh, let 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 me see. So I had some um, some Saint Vincent on there um i had let's see some the national that is just because i was going through a big the national phase (laughs) not because that was particularly relevant to the feel of the book actually i really think st vincent um Captured something very thea-like to me, um, FKA Twigs, in yeah. the for the for the like when I was writing some madness stuff. <laughs> that was that that was on there. Cat power, destroyer, yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. A little bit, a little bit um, chaotic. Yeah. What was the last book you read? I just finished um, the new Elena Ferrante novel, *The Lying Life of Adults*. It's—I um, don't know if you've read them. They, they were big a few years ago, or when the um, the U.S. version came out. Their Italian novels, um, but *The Neapolitan Quartet* uh, was about this toxic, um, but also really powerful friendship of these two girls in Naples, and. Um, Elaine is very character forward, and I really, really do like that. Although I appreciate plot very much too, you really either have to grab me with character or plot, or ideally both. Um, And she did that. Although I'm still like feeling a little queasy about the ending. (laughs) 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 No, and I'm not going to spoil it. But um, yeah, queasy is the right word, I think. It's good though. I haven't. It's been. Um, it's been a couple of. It's been a beat since I've read a YA novel, like maybe a month or two. But I was reading the um, Kendara Blake, uh, yeah. the one or three dark. What's the first one called?
0: I think three. It's like three dark crowns. Three dark
1: crowns. Yeah, yeah, I'm working on. I'm working on that series. That's really good.
0: I've had those on my shelf for the longest time. I'm. I just go through phases where I can read a lot, and then phases where I just can't. Read anything. i just can't burn out. I think that's my thing at the moment. That's a that's
1: a lot of people's thing at the moment.
0: <laughs> feeling burned out. I also I am not
1: good at getting through trilogies or in this case, what do you? It's a it's a quartet. Um, I I just there's so many of them. You know, <laughs> it, it often feels like you've done the important things in the first. This is why I write standalones. <laughs> I have a strong preference for for standalones
0: and what books on your tb red pile, or is it you just kind of go like a mood reader i think i'm not a mood reader at the moment mood reader i sort
1: of keep a schema like i i will do things to keep myself from just um just reading what i am in the mood for all the time although i certainly do that too like i wanted to read all the um hugo and nebula nominees Um, Mm. which I did not do, but I read a lot of them. And I'm going to read, I kind of want to read all the Booker Man nominees, but they they get so depressing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So my plan is like, I'm going to read one and then I'm going to see how depressed I am at the end of that. And then then if I'm not too depressed, I'll read another one. So I'm reading The Shadow King right now, Mm -hmm. uh, which was the one that seemed like the raddest. Um, I mean, they, they all look good, but this one, Uh, you know it's historical and it's in Ethiopia and there's war and that so that's all that's very appealing I'm very excited um for the new Naomi Novik novel to come out I just really like her a lot so I hope it's good I hope it's Mm -hmm. as good as spinning silver although I'm not sure that's possible
0: yeah, I I don't even know what I'm ex- I'm excited for these Violent Delights.
1: Oh yeah, me too. Um the Chloe Gong one. Yeah.
0: That yeah. looks very cool. That's in November, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I
0: have that. I need to get to reading it. But like oh, the you UK have that already? Lucky. Yeah. The UK looks like it's going on a second lockdown at some point. So I feel like I have time. <laughs> yikes sorry we probably should be but (laughs) America's different (laughs) (laughs) that's very true and that is so true and you guys have to go out and vote soon so we'll see how different hopefully (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah fingers crossed yeah um going back to your book just for the last few questions yeah were there um any difficult moments that you had while writing your book
1: yeah, um, one difficult moment was when my agent told me the book was wonderful. It's great. It's going to be a great debut, but I needed to completely rewrite the last third of the book. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I did. I mean, it, and it, when I say completely rewrite, I just just went like went over it with highlighter and literally deleted it. It was not none of it was salvageable. We just had to go a completely different direction with it. Oh, wow. Um and i had the problem was i had thought that my midpoint was my climax i think Mm -hmm. and so then uh, i ran out of plot (laughs) (laughs) when i was writing it but uh, i got through that um it was definitely the hardest part because everything else felt really easy actually writing that particular book i think it's the fastest i've ever drafted a book it's the easiest it's ever been to be in a main character's head um it just everything except for that last third of the book really felt um that was not a struggle which usually writing is a terrible struggle um but that one wasn't so that was the only that was the only really difficult and then um well being on submission doesn't count so (laughs) let's
0: skip over that i guess that's the kind of a moment that stands out for you as well then all right yeah
1: another moment that stands out is
0: <laughs>
1: this was I realized I really like writing um, uncomfortable dinner scenes um, there's a uncomfortable dinner conversation that happens sort of midway through the book and I was like this is great I'm just nailing this <laughs> <laughs> this is this this is great. I would um, not really want to be at this dinner, but I am loving writing this dinner. And then ever since then, I've I've considered that to be a strength of mine. Mealtime conversations with a lot of things going on under the surface. Those are also <laughs> things I really like to read.
0: So, so is that going to be like a key characteristic of your books?
1: It's going to have to be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely one, a, a standout one in my next book.
0: So and um if thea was in 2020 how do you think she would be dealing
1: a good question
0: um so i think
1: she would be dealing with 2020 the way she dealt with her difficult sheltered um childhood which is by burying herself in work by pretending that she is not actually social person who really needs other people, or or not realizing it, one of the two, and um, just funneling absolutely all of her energy into obsessive ambition of some kind. She would definitely be the kind of person in quarantine who's like taken up five, five pursuits and finished their novel or, you know, invented something. She's, she's the person that we hate in quarantine who's just getting everything done
0: <laughs> the person we want to be but we're not <laughs> yeah
1: g- exactly yeah
0: <laughs> hate and be you know those those things fly together definitely and my last question for you is what can readers expect next from you so uh my next book will be coming out in fall
1: of 2021. We just started thinking about the cover, which is such a fun part of the whole process, especially with Wednesday books. Um, They are just, I don't know if you've like noticed how much better at covers they are than everyone else, (laughs) (laughs) but they do great covers. Um, So yes, that book is called Bright Ruined Things. It's a, um, it's a, YA fantasy set in sort of a magical 1920s and it's inspired by um, Shakespeare's The Tempest.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: We call it a retelling. It's really not a retelling. There are almost no plot points in the book that come from (laughs) the play, (laughs) but there are characters and there is a vibe and um, some world building and setting that's, that's
0: Tempest esque. Sounds great. And I, I definitely agree. I'm looking at um Erin Hahn's um more than maybe when yeah um, cover right now. Uh-huh. It's right on my desk, which means I've been meaning to read it for a very long time. I just haven't got the chance to, but oh, yeah. very, very lovely. Yes,
1: yes. I love their contemporary covers. And of course, I mean, their fantasy covers are amazing. Like the Wicked Saints cover was just yeah And awesome. you know, Where Dreams Descend and mm-hmm. Lopezana,
0: just some very, very good covers. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Yeah, thank um, you for having me. Yeah, A Golden Fury sounds amazing. Can you just tell us when it's coming out?
1: It's coming out October 13th,
0: really yeah. soon but also like finally (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you again it was lovely having you thank you so much lib it was really fun